Here we are, my friends, on episode seven of our eight-part series on miracles. What part do you play in making them happen? You know the goal of the enemy, Satan, is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, I want you to think about that as I ask you, what is it that the enemy wishes most to destroy? We're going to touch base on some major points about spiritual warfare as I share with you just how we can start to use those weapons immediately this very day to armor up for our battles and begin to conquer and win the things that we face. Be encouraged for we, my friends, we are more than conquerors. The answer to the question about what the enemy wants to destroy the most is families and marriages. You know, marriages are first because that's what begins the family. And so the enemy wants to come in. He wants to tear that marriage apart. And therefore, the family's never the same. And so that is his goal. And so today, I'm going to be speaking mainly on marriage, but I want you to know that you can still use these same principles in the things that you face, the things that that um you're waiting for, the things you wish to change. And so if you apply a lot of these scriptures and this way of thinking, you can win and you can obtain your miracle. And as I'm talking about marriage, I also want to let you know that You don't have to be separated and having all these major problems if you just want to improve on your marriage, if you just want to make it, you know, great. You may have a good marriage, but you just want to improve on it and make it better. I want you to still apply these very same principles um, as you're living your life, as you're going through life, as maybe there are things that you wish for your partner or you wish for yourself or you wish for you together. This works for you. It works for you. You can use it at any time. I want you to use it throughout your lifetime. So let's get started on what we can do to make things the way that God wants them to be. The way God wants them to be is so much more and so much more happier than what you have. So on this note, I want to share with you that it's really important that you listen to the entire series. Because it is my story. It is how I used these things and applied them to my problem, to my issue, to my uh, broken marriage. And so what we're going to talk about now is not being double-minded. For example, if either party drugged their feet and not supported the decision, is placing their one flesh marriage in the same position as the double-minded man who receives nothing from the Lord, according to James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. This is much more serious than making an occasional wrong decision. You want to learn and practice and not be double-minded. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no division among you, but that ye perfectly join together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You see, this is why, like in the Bible, um, Jesus talks about uh, being equally yoked. I want to say to any of you, regardless your age, when you're dating and you're considering, would this be someone I would want to marry? Take it seriously. Because once you're in it, it's going to be tough. Even if it's great, even if the relationship seems great, it's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to be that bed of roses. You're going to have your days. You're going to have your trials. So be careful who you choose. You know, give it good thought. If you, if you really truly want to be married and have someone in your life, you pray about that and you follow God's uh, principles in that and really give it some time. Because you've really got to spend some time together before you really get to know one another. And if you thought that you knew each other in your dating days, you know, you're really going to know each other once you're married. So spend some time on that. Um, It's just really important. So this is what God is talking about here. He wants you to be of the same, you know, the same type of, um, of, thought processes, you know, like same, you don't have to be exactly the same because it's so important that you each are who you are. But when you're going to join your lives together, you need to be of the same thought process, you know, especially in God, you know, uh, people are always talking about, oh, um, I want to have kids, you know, and I want to have this many kids or I don't want to have kids, <laughs> you know, and you want to be really there together. That's why I think sometimes um, these uh, premarital classes are important because of the simple reason that they bring up things that you probably didn't even think about. So always consider that. I know that churches today are being more um, uh, more of the requirement that you take these before you're allowed to be married in their church. And honestly, even if it's frustrating to you, it really is a good idea. Just give that some thought, and we will move on to Ephesians 4, verses 2 through 3. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Long suffering means that you must have consistency, steadfastness, and be never changing. Don't have a flip flop mindset. Know what you know, know what you want, and seek Him. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says that ye stand fast in one spirit and one mind. That means the two of you together having one spirit and one mind. Do not blame one another for errors. He looks at us as one flesh marriages. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 26 says, and whether one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or one member is honored. All members rejoice with it. If one of us gets a job promotion 
It is the rejoicing of the part of both people in the marriage. If one suffers, the other suffers too. This is how it works. Let's get this whole submissive issues out of the way. I think in general, you can pretty sure uh, know what a man thinks of this and what a woman thinks of this. Let's see really what God thinks of it. Okay. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33, in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That means more than being prepared to die in defense of your wife. It means uh, to be prepared to give up of yourself and your selfishness, your selfish desires, getting your own way. And as we've tried to do from childhood, you know, we do the little temper tantrums and things like that. You know, God is such a genius. His plan without selfishness looming up to blind us into always seeing what the big eye will gain or lose. It's pure blessing for both the husband and the wife. If the husband loves his wife as much as Christ does, he will be such a joy to live with that it is no sacrifice for the wife to submit or agree with him. It does not say that you as the husband get what you want. This comes first with instructions for you. You see, verse 21 says to submit yourselves one to another. That's both of you agreeing together, keeping the peace. Verse uh, 22 points out that wives must submit or agree with their own husbands, not anyone else's husband. There are many men even pastors who crave to have the authority over people and read these scriptures with a devil distorted view. And they try to tell everyone else's wives what to do or how to dress and whether or not to wear makeup and on and on. This was meant to tell women to beware of men who would try to get them under bondage. Their own husbands is repeated in verse 24. So you might want to read over those scriptures yourself. Women need most of all, this is what they need, husbands, so understand this, is to be loved and to be shown that they are loved. When a woman is loved, she will do anything for her husband. But if you're trying to be a tyrant, bossing her around, she'll want to turn and run the other way. Wives, men need most of all, to be admired, and to be shown that they are admired. This is born out of Scripture. God commands husbands three times to love their wives, but tell women to reverence or admire their husbands. You know, each of us have to do our part in order for these things to work. In verse 31 and 33, For the cause... For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself, and the wife see that she reverences her husband. Wives, build your husbands up. 
be behind him in all that he does, and let him know that he is your prince, your hero, your knight in shining armor, and you'll be treated as his princess. I want you to stop and think about just how much Christ must love the church and how Christ would treat the church. That's what he's talking about, that kind of love. One flesh marriages definitely is a two-way street. Our cultures has its own definition as to how a wife is to be and how a husband is to be. But God has taught us that the husband's role of responsibility means keeping strife out of the home at all cost, and this includes relying on the wisdom God has given the wife as much as his own. Don't get upset if your wife doesn't see eye to eye with you instantly and say, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the head of this house, and I'm going to do it my way. That really doesn't solve anything, and it builds up resentment. I mean, turn the tables. How would you feel? Even if the husband is right, the wife likes to feel she, as a person, has opinions that her husband counts worthy of consideration. She likes to know that she's valuable to you, that you really won't go ahead on something that you would like to do if she truly is against it. She too has a relationship with God. You have to remember that. And he talks to her as well. Just knowing how much my husband values my point of view, it takes a lot of the pressure off, the feeling of being forced into something. You know, caring about the other person more than yourself really has tremendous rewards. Like, no hassling, having peace of mind, the things that the world pays a fortune to obtain and never can until they get Jesus. For a true one-flesh marriage, it's important to pray together daily. But even if you're not there yet, it's important to pray over such decisions and to know just because the two of you may not be in agreement over something, you really need to get God's opinion and the word on the decision in order for it to work out right. It's really important to learn how to hear God's voice and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. This requires your time. It's important to know where those thoughts in your head are coming from. Discipline yourself to wait until you're certain that you have heard from God. The two of us pray daily and we come together to pray. But one special thing that we like to do we call soaking in the Spirit. It is a time that we play soft worship music, some without much distraction, you know, like birds chirping in the background or, or words. And we picture ourselves in a place sitting with God and just being with Him. We may have questions that we'd like to ask Him. And as we're led, we ask those questions and we wait upon His response. Sometimes we just sit there and we listen for Him to speak. You see, uh, this is especially important during major decision times in our lives. Satan is lurking around behind every corner trying to get something on God's children. Did you know that he hates for you to pray and spend time with God? Because through the Holy Spirit, he will tell you, the Holy Spirit will tell you what Satan is up to. He really is a loser whenever we're wearing our spiritual armor and we are equipped for battle. 
Did you know that we have all power and authority over the enemy? We do, but we fail to use it as we should. And that's what I'm trying to share with you. Satan can speak thoughts to people and put feelings and desires and cravings on people. Satan can afflict your mate with confusion and depression, among other things. You see, these are literal spirits. They're sent to whisper thoughts into him or her and to oppress them. He or she can hear these thoughts in his or her mind. They're thinking that they are their own thoughts, and they're speaking them out of their mouth, and they're believing them. Remember that when you're in confrontation with them. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and everyone, even Christians, hear thoughts from him. It is up to each person as to whether or not we buy into his lies of temptation, failure, adultery, and so on and so on. We'll not quit hearing from him until Jesus binds him in the pit, so it's no disgrace to have a thought from the devil. It's what you do with it, you know? It's what you do with it. But the truth of the matter is, most people are not aware of what's going on in the spirit world and are therefore quite helpless against Satan. This is how he attempts to bring a person to destruction through their mind. He knows if you can get a man's mind, you can get the man. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, the Bible commands us to cast down imaginations and bring every thought into captivity and obedience in Christ. Now, I know that y'all have heard this before, but this should surely explain it more clearly to you of how important that it truly is. Every Christian should get to know God's word well enough that he can censor his own thoughts and know who it is that's speaking to him. God or the evil one? If they're not from God, then you should ignore them and you shouldn't act on them. When God speaks, it lines up with his word always, always. So many people don't know this, and they're led by the nose by Satan unless someone stands in the spiritual gap for them. As the one standing for the marriage, you must use your spiritual weapons and assist your partner by praying for him or her, or when you can talk about this. You must ask that his thoughts are in obedience with Christ. Many people don't realize that they have a mission from God just to work on one soul. They think they must go on a mission trip to Africa. God loves each and every person, so he loves them so much that he will do anything to save them. You may be very well uh, be your partner's salvation, and that is a mighty work to be done. I mean, think about once you're together or once your marriage is better than it once was, how powerful you are in the ministry of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 16, it does say, How do you know but what you may be your husband's salvation? I urge you to use the keys of binding and loosing that Jesus died on the cross to give you. Make a list of the things that are not Christ-like characteristics of your spouse, things that he or she has said and has done. Include things he or she 
has even said to you like, I don't love you anymore. I don't want to be married anymore. God told me to get a divorce and be happy. All of these things, all of these things are destructive things of your marriage. First Corinthians uh, 14 through 15 says, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Jude 20 says, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. God will help you call everything to mind that he wants you to combat in the name of Jesus. God is just wanting and waiting for you to get going and to bind the devil. God will not bind the devil for you. He sent Jesus to die and to buy the power for you to do it in his name. Praying in the Spirit refers to how we are praying. Praying in the Spirit is praying according to the Spirit's leading. It is praying for things that the Spirit leads us to pray for. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it tells us, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. I want you to know that um, you have to work on that sometimes. Like, I decided that um, 15 minutes a day, I would pray in the Spirit. And I even set the alarm on my phone to help me um, in this habit I needed to create. So what I try to do is certain points of the day, I have my little alarm go off, and it helps me to stop and to pray in the Spirit for a certain amount of time. And I just encourage you maybe to give that a try so that you can begin to develop that habit if you seem to have a hard time getting started. And then once you do, for me, it was just super easy. I mean, I can think about it and I can just do it. And um, then when I think about it, praying in the spirit, I think about there are so many things that I do not know. There are things that are unknown and unseen to me that is going on in either, you know, my environment, other people's environment, uh, things that are happening in our country, our nation that we don't even know about that needs prayer. So how are we supposed to know how to pray for it if we're not aware of it? Well, the Spirit knows. The Spirit knows everything. So you begin to pray in the Spirit. Now, some of you may not even understand what we're talking about here, but this is what you get from the Lord. This is when they refer to uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've had water baptism, and you may understand that. But this is baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you can research that. You can ask your pastor about that. And um, you will begin to understand even more. I think I've given you enough to think about for today, and I just encourage you to pray about that, to uh, start to search the word more about that. Google, YouTube, there's lots of great pastors and prophets and 
and people that know the word and they can um, answer more on that topic. It's a whole nother podcast. Pray and just ask God about that and see what he has to say. Have more quiet time. Settle yourself. Have some peace because we live for a God of peace. And I can't wait to talk to you more about this in episode eight as we end this particular series on miracles. What part do you play in making them happen? This right here is our 70th episode, so there's plenty for you to listen to with me. You can find this podcast on all major podcasting platforms and medias. Search for Life, It's a Big Faith Journey, or by my name, Diana Hudgens. Please like, share, and subscribe. It helps us greatly. When you subscribe to this podcast, it will alert you when a new episode is being released. We will be wrapping this series up on the next episode. Thank you for being here and for listening. I hope it was helpful to you. And may God bless you and remember that I love you. Thank you.